0: you have your Bibles, go ahead and assume the Bible reading position and grab your notepads or your smartphones or your tablets and we are going to continue in our series and I'm going to attempt to do something here. I'm going to attempt to cram about five hours of stuff into about 30 minutes because we have strategically planned today's service for there to be some response time afterwards and so I want to make sure that we make room for that. So I'm going to I'm going to hit the ground I'm going to run fast and we are in the middle of a series and those of you guys who are joining us you can pick up on previous messages within our series on our website at antioch.is. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13 and we are looking at this particular text as it sits in the greater series of the transforming word of God. Matthew 13, will begin in the first verse. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed some fell as as he was scattering the seed some fell along the path and birds came and they ate it up some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil so it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but when the sun came up the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown, so he who has ears let him hear. Let's skip over also to verse 22 of Matthew chapter 13, so that we can see the description of the soil that we're focusing on this morning, which is the thorny soil. Verse 22, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Unfruitful. Father, my prayer this morning is that by the grace and by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, That you would flow through clay lips to articulate truth in such a precise and prophetic manner to every single person, young and old, in this room. That we would all have ears to hear, that we would have eyes to see, that you would grace our minds to comprehend, and that you would move upon our hearts to receive. I pray that you would anoint the hearing and the preaching of the word of God this morning, that you would transform our lives, that we would be fruitful for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom. And if you can agree with that this morning, just shout amen. amen. Let me explain to you, for those of you who are joining us today for the first time, The series that we're in, which is the transforming word of God, the main idea that we're trying to communicate through all of these messages is very, very simple. Our main idea is that the Bible is the foundational text for Christian spiritual formation. And the Bible, the word of God, invites us into more deeper and more authentic life with God. That's the whole focus of this entire series. It is designed to cause our hearts to gravitate more to the word of God. In fact, if we were mapping out strategic objectives, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, if we were mapping out strategic objectives for the end result of this series, it'd be very, very, very simple, very simple. And that is that all of us would spend more time with God through time in his words. Very simple. That a love for the word of God would grow inside of us a love for the word of God that is beyond just religious indoctrination and that is beyond just mental, intellectual gain. But it would be a love for God that is expressed by a heart to know what God says through his word. Today's main idea, what we want to communicate today, very simply is that when our affections for Jesus are low, and there are times in our lives There are seasons in our lives when our affections and our passions for Jesus can grow dim and they can be low. And when our affections are low, I propose to you today that our hearts become vulnerable. They become vulnerable to weeds and thorns, which choke out the word and cause our lives to become less fruitful, if not even unfruitful. So today, we want to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us where weeds and thorns exist in our hearts, and that he would give us grace to uproot them by his power, and that he would also stir inside of our hearts a passion, that he would cultivate a passion today inside of us for Jesus. All right, so let's walk through this. Again, our main text is Matthew chapter 13, verse seven, and Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, and I wanna exposit this very quickly. Number one, there are thorns in your heart. Say, there are thorns in my heart. That is not a negative faith statement. That is a reality. There are thorns. I've been sent today as a prophetic messenger to let you know, in case you didn't, there are thorns in the soil of your heart and there are thorns in the soil of my heart. Let's look again at verse seven. It says, that other seed fell among thorns. It didn't say that the seed fell and that thorns grew up after the seed was sown. It said that the seed fell into something that was already present. So in the field of your heart, Antioch, in the field of my heart, there are briars, there are thistles, there are thorns. And so when the, the seed of the gospel, when the seed of the word of God, the seed of revelation, when it goes into our heart, we need to understand that it is falling among thorns that already exist. They exist in our mindsets. They exist in our attitudes. They exist in the cares of this world. They are already there, present in every one of your heart. There are no exceptions. Week by week, as you sit under the ministry of the Word, both individually and corporately, you must be aware of the insidious presence of thorns and thistles that grow quietly to choke out and snuff out the power of God's word in your life. Number two, thorns grow. Not only are they present, but they grow. And in fact, the only thing that you need to do to make thorns grow is do nothing. The nature of thorns and briars and weeds in your heart, the nature of them is they grow. What we have to do to counter the growth, the aggressive growth of thorns in our lives is that we have to pull them out by the grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word grow there in the Greek very simply means to grow up, it means to climb, it means to come up, it means to ascend. So all of these words are in operation in your heart. There are things that are growing inside of you, they're growing, they're climbing, they're ascending, they're taking root in your life. Therefore, the state of our hearts must be in constant cultivation by the grace of God. Constant cultivation. Very, very strategic word there, constant cultivation. So we need to understand that our time with God is more than just fulfilling religious duties or obligations. It is actually a form of cultivation. It is, a, it is an aggressive form whereby we pull things out of our hearts and minds and our worldview and attitude and practice that choke out the power of the word of God from producing fruit in our lives. Thorns, when left unchecked, will grow into strongholds. They will grow and they will spread to where they consume every unoccupied space of our lives. It is the nature of weeds to consume unoccupied soil. There's an important principle that we must understand as it relates to the state of our hearts. A.W. Tozer calls this the hunger of the wilderness. The hunger of the wilderness. Good fruit. So what do we mean by good fruit? The fruit of the spirit, love, love, Joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, the ability to persevere in the midst of adversity, the ability to hold on to passion for Jesus in the midst of the mundane moments of life, that's all good fruit. Good fruit, good character, stability, steadfastness. That good fruit in the form of Christ-likeness, righteousness, requires diligence. It is not automatic. Church, it is not automatic automatic. We were created with the promise and the purpose to become like Christ, but we partner with God with diligence, and I'm going to say this, hard work. Not works, but hard work. We partner with the grace of God with hard work to produce godliness in our lives. It's not us who makes that godliness happen, but we work with God to produce fruitfulness in our lives. It is not easy. It is not automatic. It is not free. The wilderness, on the other hand, very important. The wilderness grows with no work at all. The natural state of the untended garden is weeds. The natural state. Any place that is untended, uninhabited, uncultivated will produce See, listen, I don't need to feed my pride for my pride to grow. Don't need to do it. I do not need to feed my selfishness. My selfishness, if untended, will spread. You can ask my wife. I don't need to I don't I don't need to feed my anger. I don't need to feed my lust. I don't need to feed my idolatry. If I leave it alone, the carnal nature of this man, it will grow. That's why Paul says, "I die how often? Yeah. Daily." I die on a daily basis. I am constantly engaging with God to pull thorns out of the untended soil of my life. Here's an analogy for you. So if you purchased a home, and we're gonna liken that home to the Christian life, if you purchased that home and the inhabitants of that house prior to you inhabiting that home left their yard untended, full of weeds, full of thorns, full of thistles, full of briars, full of dandelions. I hate those things. You entering into that home does not automatically make all those things go away. Christ entering into the home of our heart does not mean automatically that as soon as he gets keys, as soon as he gets the legal title deed, to inhabit our lives, everything that you wrestled with in your entire life, everything that you sowed, Galatians 6 says, God will not be mocked. That everything that we sow, we will reap. All right, so if you struggled, whatever it is that you struggled with, your fight, your battle, whatever you fed, all of those weeds that were in that yard, as soon as you enter into that house, they are still there they're still there. This then is what the Bible calls sanctification. This then is what the Bible calls transformation. This then is what the Bible calls working with God then to diligently and consistently uproot the thorns from that yard and to turn it into a beautiful garden. That is your destiny. So today, if you're here, if you're a young believer, if you're an old believer, and you're still tending out some of the areas of your field, all right, before Christ came into habit your life, I want you to take courage today. I want you to take heart today. I've worked with a lot of young believers. I've discipled a lot of believers. I've talked with men who, for 30 years of their lives, they sowed to the flesh, they sowed to womanizing, they sowed to anger. And now after just five years of growing with Christ or 10 years, and watch, watch this, and 10 years of just being a Christian, inhabiting the house does not mean that you are tending the garden. Okay, so let's just be very, very clear. Just because we enter into relationship with God does not mean that we are aggressively, actively, intentionally, systematically tending the thorns out of the carnal nature of our lives. So don't be discouraged. Take heart today. Take hope today. Spouses have grace today because we are all in the process of plowing things out of our heart, sowing good seed, taking time for that good seed to grow and constantly allowing more fruit to grow in our lives. Neglect, ignorance, passivity feed the appetite of the wilderness and the carnal nature. Number three, thorns choke fruit. They choke fruit from your life. Some of you, might be wondering, why am I not seeing? I don't know how you interact with God or how you interact with your own place in the process. But I tend to get a little frustrated with myself because I want to be further along than I am. Anybody relate to that in any way? Why am I still responding with such impatience? Why do those things still pull on something inside of me? I've been following Jesus for so long. I'm diligent and it is just the reality. So if you're experiencing unfruitfulness in your life, perhaps you would consider this morning paying attention by the Holy Spirit to the presence of thorns unknown in your life. By the way, just because we're not aware of a thorn in our life does not mean that that thorn or those thorns are not choking the word out of our lives. It's a very interesting word here the Greek uses as it translates the word choke. It means to strangle. It means to uh, wring one's neck so as to snuff life out of something slowly. It also means to crowd out. Don't you think about that in the context of the scriptures and then in the context of your life? When thorns are present in a field, it's not this swift, Action. It's not like the rocky soil. It's not like the hardened soil where the seed can't even penetrate. What we find that's interesting in this, because we've talked about the other two soils, is that the seed does take root. So it's not a completely hardened ground. And we find that there's depth within the soil. But what we find is as that seed begins to sprout and as that seed begins to grow, as that seed wants to engage in victory it is snuffed out slowly. It's strength, life is slowly escaping the seed of the word in our lives. And I think that it's probably the most deceptive of all because we've received the word and we're not just receiving it emotionally, we're receiving it deep into our, our, our heart and it's beginning to sprout and we begin to think that there is great fruit in our lives yet the presence of thorns will slowly snuff and strangle out fruit from growing in our lives. And we discussed a couple of weeks ago that Jesus's prayer is that we would be fruitful. He wants us to be fruitful people. The thorns in our lives nestled down into our hearts, into our minds, they strangle the word of God And so that when our attitudes and our passions go unchecked, they crowd out. They crowd out. Scripture says in Psalms that the fool has no place in his mind for God. I would propose that not just the fool, but the thorny soil, the thorny soil man, the thorny soil woman has no place in their heart, in their mind for God why is that? Because of the presence of so many other things, which leads us to this next thought. Thorns are not just bad. Let me say that one more time. Thorns are not just bad things. I think throughout my life as I've read this, I've thought that thorns are these wicked, unrighteous, evil things. There can be good things in your life, when not submitted to the right order, they can very quickly become thorns. Let me give you a couple of ideas here. Number one, our mindsets. The way that you think, and let us not assume, brothers and sisters, let us not assume that simply because we have sat in churches or even gone to Bible schools or graduated with theological degrees, let us not assume that our mind is completely transformed biblically. There are mindsets that control the way that we see, the way that we hear, the way that we interpret, the way that we live. It affects the way that we engage the world. Unbiblical mindsets. Worldly ideas on how to date. Worldly ideas on how to get married or to not get married, or let's just, I've heard Christians sit across the table from me say, what's wrong with having sex before marriage? I've heard Christians sit across the table, years of sitting in churches saying, I think that we should be able to cohabit because we love one another. Clearly, an unbiblical worldview. A untrained, unbiblical mind, a postmodern, humanistic life. Along those lines, let me say this, life In the spirit, life in God is not just about our opinion. With the rise of blogs and social media, everyone has an opinion. Your opinion, if not biblically grounded, friend, it is not truth. Opinions and truth are not synonymous. Opinions will not produce fruit in your life. Opinions will not transform you into the image of God. Opinions will not raise a godly marriage and family. Truth will. Things that you dwell on, those can be thorns. What do you dwell on in your mind? I remember a couple of years ago, as we were doing some work in our backyard, I began to dwell I began to dwell on transforming my backyard. I mean, I would sit in my bedroom and look out my window and just dream. And that in and of itself is not a bad thing, but once it happens every night for hours. What is going on here? And then I find out how fleeting grass is and how temporary. All of my manual labor is. Just think to myself, I'm, I'm not doing that ever again. But my mind began to be just consumed. And, and that's just kind of way, the way I'm wired. I can Whatever it is, I cannot do certain things because I'm wired. Dear God, never let me gamble. Never, I, don't, I don't have to drink alcohol. My personality, I will just get infatuated with something and what it doesn't make it be whatever it doesn't matter what it is it could be a good thing and I would just get why am I looking like this right now I'm just I just get in engrossed with something you know it becomes a thorn it becomes something that occupies space I'm not spending time with God I'm not giving my heart over to the things of God worries fears anxiety stress you know what those things are that's a form of meditation if, if you know how to worry about something, if you know how to worry about finances or the lack thereof, if you know how to worry about your paper that is due on Monday, if you know how to worry about that situation, that accusation at work, if you know how to worry about that unresolved conversation that you had with your spouse, you know how to meditate. Same muscle, different source. Meditation is very simply just Just thinking, ruminating, spending mental time on something. Do that on the scriptures, okay? Second type of thorn here, attitudes. Attitudes, things that consume our heart. You can have a wrong attitude that stems from a wrong mindset that evolves out of a negative experience. Offenses in our hearts due to unforgiveness can create negative attitudes towards things, And listen, they can create negative attitudes towards good things. You ever heard somebody say they never wanna get married? Based on a negative attitude? Based on a negative experience? Is that biblical? Is it truth? So we, we must allow the truth of God's word. We must allow, brothers and sisters, I'm appealing to you today. We must allow the truth of God's word to take the primary spot in our hearts, not experience, not the thorns of experiences. There are a lot of us in this room, there are a lot of Christians that are in the world that have formed theologies that are really thorns based out of negative experiences, not Based out of truth. Pay attention to the fruit. Relationships, any relationship can become a thorn. My relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children, unsubmitted, unchecked, out of order, can become a thorn. If I allow my soulish false mercy to dictate my leadership in the home and I allow my wife to manipulate me unintentionally, I've allowed this blessing that God has given to me to become a thorn in the soil of my life. If what my wife says, if what my children say is more important than what the word of God says, friends, it's a thorn. A lot of mothers and fathers are not leading their children because they need the approval of their children. It's a thorn. It is not producing the fruit of godliness. And I implore you, check your hearts this morning and check your relationship with God. Things that consume our time, hobbies, music, books, TV shows, entertainment, hanging out with friends, all of those things can become thorns. All of those things can choke and strangle and snuff out. Listen, ministry, ministry, can become a thorn. Ministry can become a thorn. Work, some of you, work is a thorn. And I don't know what to do with that, but I just say, I'm just the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. Pray. Now listen, listen, if I I have time, I'd balance all this out. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit because there are seasons there are seasons in our lives where I was going, I was finishing seminary, I was working at school, we had just got married. And so, in that season, the assignment on my life was to learn how to manage all of those things. And in the, econ- in the process of the kingdom, God will always move us to where we're growing and enlarging and expanding. And so, that means that we're learning to manage more things, but the position of our heart. If the thing that consumes our mind, our energy, our validation is work, and God is just somehow just bracketed out of that, and we find ourselves systematically turning down opportunities to grow in God and to minister the goodness of God so that we can work more, friend, check that. It might be a thorn. It might be choking something out of your life. I want to look here at a couple of, for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you the references. Point number four is that there are many types of thorns. The Bible gives us three specific types of thorns. I'm not going to go into great detail in these, but I want to give you some references. Mark chapter four, verse 18 and 19. Mark four, 18 and 19. Luke eight, verse 14. These are both accounts of the same parable given by different authors, Mark 4, 18 and 19, Luke 8, verse 14. And what we find as we combine these three accounts of the same parable, we find that Mark and Luke add something in that Matthew is silent on. Three types of thorns taken from the parable of the sower in the gospels. Number one, the worries of this world. Anybody in this room right now worried about something? Okay, very good. Everybody else? You lying. (laughs) Worries, cares, anxieties, burdens. Jesus says they could be a thorn. Number two, the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness, it's a trick. It's a snare, it's a trap. It's smoke and mirrors. It's something that's designed to look one way, but then once you actually get into it, you find that it's something completely different. The deceitfulness of riches. Number three, the desire for other things, Mark says. Luke says the pleasures of this life. All right, so now we got three things biblically. Number one, Carries or worries and cares. Number two, the deceitfulness of wealth. And number three, the desires or the pleasures of this life. For the sake of time, I'm just going to give a quick overview and some scriptures for your future uh, study, as well as you guys can expound on this in your life group this week. We're going to look at understanding the thorns more deeply, the worries of this world. What does the scripture say about worries of this world? We know that it's a very real thing. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 through 34, Matthew six twenty-five through 34. Jesus says, why are you so worried about what you're gonna eat? Why are you so worried about what you're gonna wear? And he gives natural analogies. He says, look at the birds, who feeds them? Remember, um, I don't know about you guys with little kids, but uh, it doesn't matter, really. It doesn't really matter how faithful you are to feed your children. Something is lodged in there, like this eternal fear that they don't think you're going to feed them. Can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? Hey, whoa, relax. When have I never fed you, child? Are we going to eat? We'll get in the car, and one of my children will go, where are we going to eat at tonight? Where, where are we going to eat? What, 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 what is this? What is wrong with you? I feed you for goodness sake. We will eat, I promise you. We will eat and it will be good, okay? So I had to tell my children, I said, hey, listen, 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 look at the birds. I'm just getting my Jesus on. Hey, look at the birds. Look right now, look at the birds. Oh, see the birds? Oh yeah, chirp, 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 Yep, yep, there they are. Who feeds them? Did you feed them? No. Who feeds them? God, Bingo. Look at the flowers, who clothed them? Oh, God, yes, don't worry about these things. I love what Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, all right? But I think these two scriptures right here are a little bit better, Philippians 4. Verse 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious. Look at this word about anything. Anything. Now, if I were like real dogmatic and legalistic, I would say if you're worrying about anything, you're in disobedience to the scriptures. But I'm not going to be dogmatic and legalistic this morning. The scriptures tell us don't worry, don't be anxious about anything. About anything. Here's the pattern. So what do we do? What do I do if I can't worry? What am I going to do with all that time? What do I do with myself? Let me help you. Let me help you. Scripture helps us. He says, in every situation. Don't you love the word of God? In every situation. Every one of them. This is what you do. Here's a pattern. By prayer. Wait, just stop right there. Go home. Pray about it. But you got two choices. You can worry about it, thorn, or you can pray about it, fruit. I need to slow down because I'm starting to get revved up. In every situation, Christy and I were talking a couple, I guess last week, and the, the Holy Ghost rebuked her. And, uh, and consequently, consequently rebuked me through rebuking her. As we were talking, as we were worrying about a particular situation. And the Holy Ghost was like, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Because you've talked about it a lot. And here's what talking about it does. You know what it does? Oh man, I love all these answers. This is why you need to go to life group. Talking about it perpetuates more talking about it. It is a black hole. It is. We probably hit the same point probably a hundred times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like that. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Cool, cool. And you know, just like that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of talking. And Denise, I think she just hollered. She said, when you're talking about it, you're not praying about it. So I'm just whatever, you know, think about it. I don't know. Just I mean. All right. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, watch this by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your quest. There's four points there. All right, who wants to say to one o'clock? I'm gonna preach another message within this message. And the peace of God, you know what the fruit is? This is amazing when you pray, when you petition, when you offer thanksgiving in the midst of all of those things you want to worry about, he says, fruit grows. It's called peace. And you know why? Do you know why we worry? Do you know what we talk about? Because we're trying to get peace. That's why we talk about it. That's why we worry about it. That's why, because we want peace. You're you're looking for peace. Crimson is laughing at me. You're looking for peace the wrong way. In fact, all of your talking is strangling. ah, I should be an actor. Ah, It's just strangling the peace of God out of your situation. Come on. All right. Well, number two. Oh, and by the way, Jesus is our burden bearer. All right. Number two the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. A lot of great scriptures here. Jesus encounters a rich young ruler. Man, oh gosh, imagine. Imagine Jesus, the Jesus, the real Jesus, invites you to be one of the disciples. This was going to throw every person's prophetic numerology up on its head. There could have been 13 apostles. Some of you guys missed that, but it's really, it's really important. This young man had an opportunity to travel amongst the ranks of James and John and Peter and all of those people. You know what he said? Jesus says, hey, take everything you have and just sell it, man, because what I have to give you is worth far more than all those stupid, trivial, moth-and-rust-can-destroy type things that you have. He said, just follow me. Follow me, it's gonna be glorious. And the scripture says the young man went away sad because he was rich. Could have been 13 The man who missed it because his heart was attracted. It was his affections. He was captured by wealth, not by Jesus. You know what Jesus says? He says, I am the pearl of great price. I'm the pearl. I'm the treasure. A man went out and went looking for a treasure, and when he found it, he sold everything that he had so that he could purchase That treasure, a man went out into a field and he found a pearl. And when he found that pearl and he had enough discernment in his heart to recognize that that pearl was worth everything, he sold everything so that he could have that pearl. That's what Jesus says, I'm the pearl. I'm worth more. Why so worried? Scripture says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth destroys, where rust destroys. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Number three, the desires for other things, the pleasures of this life. A lot of things that we could say about this. Let me give you a couple of scriptures for you studious people, you Bereans. First John chapter two, I don't see enough hands writing. First John chapter two, verse 15 through 17. Okay, let me just pause right here because I'm not joking. <laughs> Guys, listen, listen. Preaching of the word, this is not like This is life and death stuff right here. Life and death, all right? And to think that we can cover everything that's necessary to cover for the advancement of life and spiritual foundationing and maturity in 45 minutes once a week, take these scriptures, write them down, be diligent, study the word, allow the seed of the word to go deep into you. Here's some scriptures for you. First John chapter two, verse 15 through 17 where the scriptures exhort us, do not love the world. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 24, the scriptures admonish us to walk by the spirit and not by the desires of the flesh. Romans, really Romans chapter 6 through chapter 8, but I'm going to highlight Romans chapter 8, Verse five through eight. Let's look at that verse right there. It's very powerful. Romans eight, five through eight. Those who live according to the flesh, and we can can put thorns in there, have their minds set, captivated, consumed, focused, fixated on what the flesh desires. You see that connection? If you're producing thorns, your mind is, Constantly being consumed, you're thinking about them, you're feeding the entryway into the field of your heart is your mind, your eye, your ears. It's the gate into the field of your heart. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Biblical responses to the thorns that Jesus maps out in the parable of the soil. Soil. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, don't know him, heard about him, maybe the first time you've dawned the door of a church today, I wanna encourage you with a thought. Here's the thought. This is the theological perspective of everything that I'm saying right now. You cannot get rid of the thorns in your heart. And here's why. Because the thorns in your heart represent sin. The thorns in your heart are there because of the access of sin into your heart. In the beginning of our story, when God created man and woman and invited them into fellowship and relationship with him, man chose willingly to walk away from relationship and to walk away from God's authority. And when he did that, God placed a curse. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 3. Verse 17, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you not to, cursed is the ground and through painful toil, you will eat of it, it will produce thorns. That is a picture of our hearts. There's no amount of good hard work No amount of prayer, no amount of knocking on doors, no amount of handing out tracts, no amount of giving to the poor that can pull, that can remove the curse of thorns in our hearts. But Jesus. Scripture says this about Jesus. How many of you know that when Jesus was crucified, something was placed on his head? There was a crown of thorns. Sharp, piercing fruit, strangling thorns were just rammed onto the brow, the crown of Jesus. And he bore the curse of thorns so that the field of our hearts can be fruitful. Galatians 3 says that Jesus became a curse for us because it is written, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Jesus became our curse so that he could enter in legally into the field of our heart and remove the thorns of sin and the carnal nature from our lives. And today, if you do not know Jesus, but you desire a fruitful life in God, scripture says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, confessing with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in their heart Jesus is the Son of God, the God-man, lived a sinless, sacrificial life, laid his life down so that his blood would cover our lives and bring us into fruitful relationship with God. That invitation, friend, is available for you today. Jonathan, if you would, come on up. Friends, as we close, we're gonna go into a time of response here. I'd like to address a prophetic perspective as well as a sonship perspective. The prophetic perspective on this, that I believe that Jesus is speaking to the church of Antioch today. Jesus is asking Antioch afresh for our heart. He's asking to clear the ground that is consumed with the things of this world. He's asking us. He's asking you because you are us. Jesus is inviting us into greater devotion. He's calling us out of complacency. He's calling you to a higher pursuit, not out of works, motivated by love and devotion and grace. He is inviting us into greater fruitfulness. Friends, you have no idea how fruitful you could be. How fruitful and fruit is attractive he's inviting you into the fruit of his kingdom in your relationships in your family in your business in your school fruit in your art fruit 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 in the things that you write fruit in our city he's calling us to stand out antioch he's calling us to stand out with the abundance of fruitfulness lives lived in ardent devotion to Jesus. That is the prophetic call today. And here's the sonship perspective. We can trust him. With anything that he asks of us, he's really good at plucking up thorns. We can trust him. There is a grace to love him more deeply today. That is the call. The call is not to get fixated on the hopeless situation of the presence of thorns, the call is to become fixated and captivated by Jesus and invite him into the field of our lives to take hands that were already pierced and skin that was already pierced with thorns and pull them out of the field of our lives. There is a grace to say no to sin because we have said yes to him. An orphan mentality towards surrender is obligation. Friends, there's no obligation here, there is only opportunity, which is the perspective of sonship. I wanna invite you to stand. And for however long, I know that we have ministry crew, we'll adjust accordingly, but I think it would be appropriate here for at least, at least 15 minutes at least 15 minutes. And if you have to go and you have to get kids or whatever you have to do to situate yourself, we understand that, we bless that, there is no condemnation here. But for 15 minutes, I'll come back up and do a formal disclosure. But I I wanna say to you today, I think God is saying, sons and daughters, come, come. Those thorns are in you because there is a love for the world that's inside of you that belongs to me. Let me capture your love again. Let me capture your affection again. Let me show you how beautiful I am truly. Let me be, let me be the pearl of great price in your life. So I want to pray this over you, Antioch, that today a great grace would be upon you to respond that today a great grace would be upon you for Jesus, the beautiful one, to reveal his splendor to you in a way that fascinates you and captures your heart in a way that draws you into him, that we would just willingly and lovingly, like the word came this morning, say, you can have my will, but God, you can have my ways. And so, Father, I, I give you the thorns of my heart. Come into this garden. Come into the garden of my heart and make it beautiful, make it fruitful, make it fertile and pluck up every thorn that stands as an enemy to your word. In Jesus' name, let's love him today.